Welcome to Behind the Books, a podcast by the Mercer County Library System. Your hosts are Bob Noose and Anna Vanskoyk. Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Behind the Books. As usual, we have a couple of interviews up for you that we think that you will enjoy. For our author guest, we spoke with Amanda Flower, who does cozy mysteries and all kinds of mysteries. She's She has a very diverse background, which you'll get to hear about. And our staff guest is David Rosario, who works at the circulation desk at the Hickory Corner branch. And he was also a lot of fun to talk to. But before we get to those interviews, Anna, I wanted to talk to you a little bit. I know a couple episodes ago, we had talked about the 2023 reading challenge and we updated the listeners on our progress. And I think at that point we were in January, just finished January and we each had two books. So we were on track. And now I'm going to shock you by reporting that as we head into the month of March, I'm at seven books. You are not. You're at seven books. Yes. Which is less than half of the rest of my family, but for me, I feel like that's pretty good. Well, I recently found myself with a lot of time on my hands, so I was able to read a lot. So I caught up, and I've gotten up to seven books. And the one that might surprise you the most is that I have checked off the short stories category. Oh, do tell. What did you read? So I read this collection of short stories from Maggie Shipstead, who she writes a lot of uh fiction books. I think she wrote the bestseller Great Circle, which was a very popular book. So she had a book of short stories called You Have a Friend in 10A. And it's interesting. I know you're a big short story fan. And when you read a book full of short stories from the same author, it's funny because you'll be reading one and you'll be like, this is really odd or this is something. Then you hop into the next one. And I kind of really got into it. I liked uh, reading the short stories. And I threw a few other books in there. I read Amanda Flower, who we have on today. I read her book, Dead End Detective. So I knocked off the author featured on the podcast. I read a book set in the 1900s called Fast Girls, which is about some runners for in the 19 female runners in the 1936 Olympics. And I read a couple others. So I'm up to seven books. So I'm well ahead of pace. I can take the month of March off. I'll tell you what, I'm very impressed because I'm, I'm behind. I'm a, uh... I, what am I working on now? Well, I have, I'm working on the girl with the louding voice who is by Abby Dere, and she is going to be my author from another country. She is Nigerian. I mean, she lives in uh, the UK now, but she was born and uh, lived in Nigeria. So I'm working on that, but I do know what my next one's going to be after that is um, one of the categories is something you should have read in school. And I have Fahrenheit 451 by Bradbury on my list because my son is reading it right now. And so I'm going to put on uh, my, I'm finally going to read that one that I probably should have read a long time ago. It's been a lot of fun, the challenge. And what's interesting too, is that when you read a book, you have to figure out which category you want to put it in. Because for instance, I read Amanda Flowers book and I could have put that in the female protagonist one. I could have put that in the, uh, mystery category but i went with author on a podcast since i just finished it right before we spoke with amanda flower so i figured it would be a good time to bring it up there you go and there's no doubling up 
that's my I think that that's like you can't cross use that for two categories. That's one category. So we encourage our listeners to take part in the 2023 reading challenge. You have all year. I joke with my wife and son that they're going to be done with the whole thing by March, even though it's supposed to be a year long challenge. But it's a lot of fun. I think it's got it'll get people to read some things they might not have read, which is obviously what part of the appeal is to it and people can access that information on our website correct mcl.org yeah and i'll make sure to link to that in our show notes so people can easily access the different categories and we'll talk a little bit later after after our staff interview some programs we have coming up here at the library in in the middle of march but first we're going to have our staff interview and we'll be right back with david rosario Welcome to this part of the Behind the Books podcast, where we take the time to talk with a staff member from the Mercer County Library System. I'm very excited for today's guest, David Rosario, who is from the Hickory Corner branch. David, thank you so much for taking time to talk with us today. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited. So David, I have only met you once in person, and you left such an indelible mark on me. I'm like, I cannot wait to have this guy on the podcast. Thank you so much. That's really nice. I think I was very busy, wasn't I? You were extremely busy and doing just a stand-up job. So can you tell us a little bit about what you do at the Hickory Corner Branch? What's your job there? Okay, so my job description, my job title is Senior Circulation Assistant. And the only part of my job I think really, um, I think the most valid part of the description of my job is other duties as assigned. Um, (laughs) Which is in the t- which is in the explanation, and it's really the only one you need to know. I pretty much, you know, we work the circ desk and we do things like that. But I'm also a notary public. Um, I do uh, collection development for the for uh, DVD, Blu-ray, and music CDs. And the, other than that, like whatever is needed on any given day, and that's what we do. We have to we have to stay limber. It really is that way at circulation because you never know each day what could what could pop up. You know, you might have some questions. Maybe the reference people are busy. So you really have to be prepared to do just about anything. Absolutely. We always are. I live locally, so I almost feel like it's an extension of my community anyway. So it's just, uh, you know, just do everything you can and then go home and come back the next day and do it again. So how did you end up in, into the library then at the Mercer County Library System? Probably like a lot of other people, purely accidentally. I was, it was in 2004, I think, and I was uh, just job searching at my local library, which was the Heightstown branch. Um, so I was on the computer just job searching. And um, the branch manager at the time, her name was Linda. She said that, uh, do you, did you ask me if, uh, if I was aware of the fact that the Mercer County Library System was hiring? And I was like, said no. And she uh, pointed me in the right direction. So I think I dropped an application. I was called for an interview shortly after, and I went. and. I waited and then um, and, and then they called. So I was like, oh, this is really great because, you know, at that time I was throwing around a lot of really different ideas from where I was going to live, what I wanted to do. And um, so it actually worked out really well. The timing was great. So and you had mentioned that it was, that you're in your local community. Was that something that kind of appealed to you being, you know, at Hickory Corner and being in the local community and like you said, an extension of the community? Yeah, I it, it definitely appealed to me then. It appeals to me even more now. Now I can't even imagine um, not 
working in my local community just because the people I see every day are people I know from more than one place. And sometimes the people I know from here, um, they appear, I have three kids in the school system, so they appear at those functions as well. And it's, it's a really nice icebreaker. Um, when you're doing something, you know, if when parents are getting together to do something and you might not know anyone to see people that you know from the library and it's just, a, it's, it's a different, uh, you know, it's a different persona that I have here than I, you know, there. So it's just, it's, it's nice to make, I'll enjoy mixing those worlds. I mean, so I can understand why some people might not want to, but I figure why not. That's so funny that you mentioned that because now that my kids are older and like I'm out at school functions, you know, swim meets, you know, whatever, I'll see people from the library because um, I'm in my community as well. Um, oh, so it, it really it's it's the same thing. But it's kind of funny when people see you outside the library and they kind of look at you. Oh, yes. Like, I, know, <laughs> I know you from somewhere. <laughs> it, it, it happens all the time. It happens at like parties and stuff where people maybe have been at the party for a little while and their their memory might be a little foggy for various reasons. And they like, do I know you from? And sometimes they'll bring up something that is not where they know me from. It's just like, no, I, I don't play golf at the local, whatever. I just, as soon as people look at me weird now, I just tell them the library, I just, the library, you know me from the library. I can almost guarantee you. And, and right away the light bulb goes on. So it's, uh, you know, it's funny. I, I, it's just something that I do now. Every time someone stares at me for any, in any, any way, I'm like, I work at the library. Nice to see you. Have you been at the Hickory Corner branch the entire time then during your tenure with Mercer County? Yes. 18 years. I've been at the Hickory Corner branch the whole entire time. So yeah, you've been there a while. I didn't realize that. Yes, I used to be referred to as the young one. Nobody's referring to me as that anymore for some reason. But they do like to point out how gray I'm getting under the under the good lighting we have at the circulation desk. <laughs> so having been there as long as you have, have you noticed a lot of changes either at the branch or just in what we offer over those 18 years? Yeah, I, you know, I remember when I first started, it was kind of a little bit more like I remember the library as, you know, growing up, it was quieter. Um, I, I didn't remember when, when I started so many programs like we have now. And uh, just the flow of people and the, and just the sort of the, the community center that it feels like now. And, which I really like. Um, and I like the, the fact that we don't feel awkward about having conversations um, with uh, with patrons. And even if they become spirited or you know lively or another person jumps in, another patron jumps in and they start talking about like whether it's just books or, you know, movies or anything, really. Um, I, I didn't notice that as much at first. It seemed like it was a little bit of a more I don't want to say quieter environment, but it was, it was definitely more like I, your more prototypical idea of a of a library, I think. And now it really just feels like a very very sort of open place where people feel free to talk and socialize and ask us how we're doing, and you know we share information with you know with them socially, and they do the same. So so we might see them again, ask them oh, how did that thing go or whatever. So so that's I think it's just become it was a little bit like that when I started, and now it's really become like that. Well, I think you touched on just the amount of programs that are offered. And I think about, I mean, we've interviewed quite a few people from the Hickory Corner branch. I mean, there's Andrea Cosutoro and Mary Estorita and Chip McCauley, and they are just, I mean, the programs that are being created, and I know it's just not them doing it. I know it's a, really is a team effort at the yeah. branch um, when it comes to offering those programs as well as the services that we're offering. 
Um, have you been able to get involved with any of the programs uh, specifically, or are you just kind of more there for like backup, like with not crowd control? That's what came to my mind, but that's not <laughs> what I mean. But, you know, just kind of helping as backup if needed. Well, well, other duties as assigned, if we need crowd control, you know, I mean, that's fine. Um, but no, I haven't had to do crowd control per se. A lot of support stuff. I think you were here during the photo, uh, the photo exhibit and you saw us, you know, measuring and, and frantically hanging. I can't even remember how many pictures there were. There were so many though, and trying to put them in a straight line and things like that. Um, I also, um, I also a lot of times I'll take uh, photos for our social media. And I think once upon a time when I first started, we had a program, uh, a Dr. Seuss program, and I made green eggs for I think like 50 or 60 kids. That I, that stuck out in my mind as something. It's a it's a great part of the job. I love seeing the families come in, like the moms and dads with their younger kids. It's just you know it gets it gets loud and crazy and energetic, and and I just you know I just think it's really fun. It's a really encouraging way to to spend a work day. I think, and if you're feeling a little tired, it's hard not to be lifted up a little by that. Yeah, well, and it's such a great space at the branch as well. Um, I think you know, just, I'm thinking about the mural that was just done in the. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. I just the color I just love I if, if our listeners have not been to see the mural at the Hickory Corner Branch I strongly encourage you do go uh, to see it. it was done by a local artist and it really it was unveiled just earlier last year is that right he finished early um, or middle to the late last year we really like it and really looks great for the kids section and you made that point too as well about how you come in every day and it's always something different which I think from talking to you, it sounds like that's one of the aspects of the job that you probably enjoy the most. Like you show up every day and you never quite know what's going to happen. Yeah, uh, no, I, that is, I, I love a busy library where where the day is not scripted. I, I much prefer that. I just think it's, uh, it's, it's just, it feels more engaging. Yeah, my first, my first day, I think very, right from the first day, my training even was sort of unscripted. I think we were short staffed that day for some reason. I don't remember why. And the branch manager at the time introduced me to a coworker. His name was Paul. He's like, David, this is Paul. Paul, this is David. She said, we're a little short today. So David, follow Paul. <laughs> and that was, and I was, that was basically like my first day, which I thought was like, is the best first day that I've ever had at a job. That is exactly the way, like, I'd rather you just throw me into the mosh pit and just let me just, you know, exist there, you know, because I just, to talk about things conceptually, for a long time before you start doing them is not my preferred way of, of doing so this it was it was a great first day i'm the same way i'm like put me in coach i'm ready to yeah. go just let yeah, me exactly <laughs> why talk about it for too long i mean you know so the, the unexpected is going to happen anyway right so you might as well just like you might as well just set it up where everything is unexpected then you can just deal with whatever comes up well, we've been talking with David Rosario from the Hickory Corner Branch. Uh, David, again, thank you so much for taking time to talk with us today. It truly was a treat. No, thank you very much. It was a lot of fun. Welcome back, everyone, to the next segment of Behind the Books, where we talk about some of the programs that we have coming up at the Mercer County Library System here in the middle of March. Uh, thanks so much to David Rosario for taking the time to talk to us. It was a lot of fun talking to him about everything he does out at Hickory Corner. And Anna, before you talk a little bit about some of the programs that are coming up, just wanted to remind some people about a couple of deadlines that we have in terms of some system-wide uh, contest that we have. We have the Trashed Art Contest, and today is the last day. Today, March 8th, is the last day to get your submission in for that. 
and also the Oscars are on Sunday, March 12th, so the last day to submit your predictions for who will win the Oscars is March 11th. Be sure to stop by your local branch and fill out a form to enter that contest. And I will link to the uh, Trash Art website just so people have more specifics on how to go about turning in their submissions, and which Bob said that is today is the last day for those to be submitted. But I do want to also share some of the programming that's coming up. Um, Bob, as you know, March is Women's History Month, and we have we have some great programs planned on our virtual schedule. Uh, the first one I wanted to talk about is taking place this evening at 7 o'clock. It's Feminism and Music, 1870 to 1970. And this is going to be presented by John Clark and his great American music experience. John has presented with us before, and he really, he always delivers a great multimedia experience uh, and great storytelling through music. And again, that is this evening at seven o'clock. And then another program we have in store for Women's History Month is Female Spies in World War II. Doesn't that sound awesome? So Female Spies in World War II will be presented by Alyssa Dupuy, who is from the Lady of History. And she does it. She actually will tell the story playing in the role of spymaster Vera Atkins. And again, that's going to be Monday, March 13th at 630. And both of the programs that I just mentioned are on our virtual platform. So in order to attend them, you will need to register so you can receive the link to log on and access the program. And you can do that either by going to mcl.org to our events calendar, or you can use our app, my MCLSNJ, and register for the events. And we want to also remind everyone to check out mcl.org and check out your local branches for a myriad of other programs that we have going on this month for Women's History Month, along with plenty of other things that are going on. And they're all available for you to take a look at either at the branch or online. Next thing we have coming up here on the podcast is our author interview. And we'll be right back to talk with Amanda Flower. is a USA Today bestselling and Agatha Award-winning author of over 35 mystery novels. Her novels have received starred reviews from Library Journal, Publishers Weekly, and Romantic Times. And she has been featured in USA Today, First for Women, and Women's World. She currently writes for Penguin Random House, Kensington, and Source Books. Before taking on writing full-time, she was a librarian for 15 years. Amanda, thank you so much for taking time to talk with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to chat with you guys. So we were kind of joking beforehand that if I mess up any of your titles or your series, please let me know because you are such a prolific writer. No, I mean, it's it's crazy. Um, I will be published 13 years in June. And by the time that anniversary comes around, I'll have 48 books published. <laughs> wow. So yeah, it's been busy, but good. I'm grateful. Well, part of your success really is, I mean, you write numerous different quote unquote genres. There's the cozies, there's um, contemporary, there's historical fiction, there's magical series that you write. 
But there really is a lot of the, what you do seems to be a lot of the cozy mysteries. And mm -hmm. something that Bob and I were talking about is like, we were wondering, what do you think it is with the allure of the cozy mystery? Because there's a ton of authors out there and it just sells. I mean, people love their cozy mysteries. What do you think that is about the cozy mystery? Um, I think it's twofold. First of all, it is the thought that like an everyday person can solve a murder. So like that, you know, you could be a muffin baker, but you can also be a crime solver. So it kind of takes the every man and makes them extraordinary. And then maybe and we feel like we could solve a murder too. Um, not that I personally would ever try. <laughs> um, and then second of all, it's really um, escapist fiction. It was really interesting during the pandemic, my, you know, everyone's struggling and my book sales like skyrocketed. It was so bizarre to me, but people wanted to read something happy and light. And they knew at the end of the book, the bad guy was going to get his comeuppance. They knew that, you know, no animals or children or anything like that was going to be hurt. And then it would be like a happily ever after. And I think when people are stressed and overburdened and things, that genre really appeals to that. That is very well stated, because I think especially <laughs> during the pandemic, you know, people wanted the lighter. We were living in like this crazy time just to like that escapism. So I love that. I never even really put it together, but that does make sense. So you mentioned that you'll have written 48 books in 13 years, which to me is pretty incredible just on its own. And then you have different, it's not like it's the same characters over and over. You've got characters all over the place. You must have like the greatest whiteboard in the world, like just to kind of keep <laughs> everything, everything straight. I wish the um, I, you know, I, it's so funny because you guys are, you know, librarians and work in the industry. I, my job as a librarian, most of the time was the head of tech services, at my library, which is hilarious because I'm just about the most disorganized person in the world, but I was a really good cataloger. <laughs> so I moved up, you know, the ranks to get to head of tech services because I was good at cataloging. So as far as, you know, that also applies to my writing life. I wish I was more organized in my notes and things, but a lot of times I do have to go back to old books and I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't even remember what her eye color is. And I wrote that book, you know, I've written two other series since that book and they want me to revisit. So I'm like doing, you know, control F for the find function on word, like looking for the word eyes so I can find that her eyes are green or whatever. So um, yeah, it's pretty funny, both... I, I think both my uh, library life and my writing life would have been easier if I was a more organized person, but I'm definitely more like the creative free spirit kind of person. <laughs> well, and obviously you have ideas because you're, you, it's not like you're, it's not like you've stopped with the series that you've already created. I mean, you're still adding content to those, but I mean, just recently you started a whole new series, the Dickinson, Emily Dickinson yeah. series. And that was more of a historical kind of uh, mystery. Can you talk a little bit about what was it for you? You're like, this is a new project I want to take on. Yeah. So I um, retired, you know, figuratively from the library world in 2018. So I knew that I wanted, now that I, 
had been used to basically working two full-time jobs for over 10 years because being published and then working full-time as a tech services librarian. So then I had this time and I was like, I've always wanted to write a historical because I love reading like Charles Todd, Reese Bowen, authors like that. I just really enjoyed it. But, it, you know, it's also... I think being a librarian, I know above, enough about historical research to be terrified of writing a historical because like, I know I need to get it so right or I'm gonna, you know, I'm dead. Like <laughs> the reviewers will find me. So I was just kind of thinking of ideas and I really love like the se different series where like the characters from uh, Jane Austen's books are solving murders and things like that. And I had written a book years ago called Crime and Poetry, uh, in which uh, Emily Dickinson's poems were used to solve the murder. And I, I love Dickinson. I've loved her since I was a kid. And I was like, oh, I wonder if anyone wrote a mystery with Emily Dickinson. And I go on WorldCat because I'm a library nerd. So that's where I went first. And then I went to Amazon and I couldn't find anything. I was like, I cannot believe I'm the first person to think of this. Like, it does not make sense to me. And then I told my agent and it kind of went from there. And and I'm just so excited. I found out a, like a week ago that it finaled for the Mary Higgins Clark Award at the Edgars. And then it also finaled uh, for the Agatha Award for Best Historical Mystery. So that's um, also validation of a book I was really terrified to write, <laughs> you know? So I'm, I'm really excited about it. Well, and then you have a second book in that series that's going to be coming out later this year, correct? Yes, it comes out um, in November and it's called I Heard a Fly Buzzed when, Buzz When I Died, which is another first line from one of her poems. So um, luckily, she, you know, being a mystery writer, a lot of her poems deal with death and have <laughs> I in it. So I have a lot of potential for series titles going on and on into the future. <laughs> Well, we should probably talk about your book came out in February mm -hmm. um, and it's part of your farm to table series and it's called in farms way. That's one of the things I love about your titles. <laughs> it's just the whole like play on words. It's just, it just, I sit there and giggle to myself whenever I go down the, the bibliography. Um, and that's that came out in February and that was the third book for that series. Do you have anything you want to share about um, where your main character is going on this, in this <laughs> book? <laughs> Yes. Um, so this third book, my main character is Shiloh Bellamy. She is a true crime um, television producer. She grew up in Michigan at, out on Cherry Orchard Farm. And while she was in Hollywood for 15 years, her dad pretty much ran the farm into the ground. Um, he pr much prefers to spend his time um, doing Civil War reenacting and collecting historical trinkets and cataloging them, uh, as opposed to like actually having a working farm. So she decides to come home and save the family farm. Um, and in this third book, it is January in Upper Michigan. It's well, not Upper Michigan, Northwest Michigan. So we're not in the UP, but we're just below it in Traverse City area. Cold <laughs> and snowy, and but there's a lot of in that area. Um, 
there's a lot of activity in winter, you know, skiing, ice fishing, all those things. So her dad is entered in an ice fishing derby um, on Torch Lake, you know, while she's there dropping him off and stuff, a, a body floats up under the ice that, <laughs> that she had. And then they find out it's somehow connected um, to the people in Cherry Glen where she lives. So she gets involved um, in solving the murder. Um, it was really fun because I think because I live in Ohio and you guys are in New Jersey too. So you have rough winters as well. Like, I just love writing about winter because it's so miserable <laughs> and it's a good, it's a good setting for a mystery novel and, you know, just describing snow. I don't know why I get a kick out of it and just, you know, the, I like to have the characters complain about, you know, how we have to like come in the house and basically shed like 46 layers of coats and gloves and hats and all the things. <laughs> so, you know, those little details, but um, it's a really fun series to write. I'm actually writing the fourth book that It'll come out next February, um, and it's called Crime and Cherry Pits, and it is at the Traverse City Cherry Festival, and um, unfortunately, someone chokes when they're in the cherry pit spitting competition, <laughs> so that's an actual thing they do every year. They spit cherry pits, like, yards away, so. <laughs> so we'll have to see what happens to him. I'm not sure yet. I haven't finished the book. <laughs> and here we are giggling about it. He, he, he. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> one, one other thing I wanted to ask you before we let you go, too, is, I mean, you have so many different series. Do you ever get to the point where you know, like, all right, this is going to be the last book in this series? Because it seems like they all kind of, you know, they could all, you can always do another one. But do you ever get to that point where you're like, all right, it's time for this one to be put to put to bed? Yeah, I do. So I did do that consciously with my Magical Bookshop Mystery Series, which is one of my readers' very, very favorite and I've gotten a lot of sad emails <laughs> over it, but I just felt like the characters were done telling their story. And I felt like if I wrote another book, it would be forced. And I don't want to get to that point where I'm just cranking out books, you know, for the money of it, you know, like I want, and there's always like, I have no lack of ideas. So I feel like when I'm ready to let a character go, I, there's always another one around the corner. Um, but yeah, people do get sad. So that was probably the only one I consciously stopped. A lot of my series stopped because publishers made those decisions. <laughs> um, uh, but I, I'm glad that one, I, I got to make the choice because it is a fan favorite. Is that the Crimes and Covers one? That That's your last that's the it last is. edition. Yeah, okay. Covers was the last one. And that came out in January of this year. So that was yeah. part of the Magical Bookshop series. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh. I know. I know. People get so sad. I know. I love that series too. Um, I mean, there's always a potential. There's a character um, in the series, Grandma Daisy, and they've they've talked to me. Well, what did you would you write a spinoff with her? And I'm like, I maybe. Right now, I just. I don't have the time for it, so I'm I'm okay with letting that go and kind of focusing on the the contracts in hand. <laughs> well, we definitely look forward to what you will be producing in the future, and we do want to remind everybody that um, the third book in her series, 
um, Farm to Table, uh, which is called In Farm's Way, came out in February. And I think you've got like three or four other books coming out this year. So we will make sure to link to your website in our show notes so people can see what's coming up. And Amanda, thank you so much for taking time to talk with us today. It's been lovely. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And I hope that you guys have a great day and that the weather's nice out there in New Jersey today for you. Welcome back, everyone, as we wrap up this episode of Behind the Books. Thanks so much to Amanda Flower for taking time to talk to us about her writing career. Uh, Anna, I found it really interesting, a couple of different things that she had to tell us. One was her take on what goes into a cozy mystery. I like that you asked her kind of define what a cozy mystery is, because we've used that term a lot, but it was great kind of her insight into that. And also just the sheer productivity that she has she was finishing one up two days after we talked to her, and she's probably halfway done with the next one. So very impressive what she's been able to do, ending her career as a librarian and jumping full-time into her writing. When we were preparing to interview with her, I started to go through and see like what her most recent books were. And I was kind of counting to make sure I had everything. And I think I stopped when I got to like five, because I'm like, I don't, I feel, I'm afraid I'm missing some, because she really is... She's really tapped into the series aspect of the writing and has really just ridden that wave. And she has her audience. You know, people are are enjoying her book. She just ended a series, which she said was uh, somewhat difficult to do. But um, she said, you know what? The time had come. And she's got other other things to create at this point. And the book I just finished reading that she had written, Dead End Detective, is actually the first in one of her newer series, I think there's a second book that's out and i believe she told us she's working on the third so i'll have to follow up and and read those as well and talking with david rosario from hickory corner that was a lot of fun just that he's really is a jack of all trades right i feel like no matter what they ask him to do he's there ready to do it and he really got the idea that he loves working at the library and loves his job my favorite Part of talking with David was when we were talking about, you know, what he does at the branch and he commented on other duties as assigned, you know, which is this common thing that you'll see in job descriptions. Um, but just the, how he embraces it, <laughs> embraces that phrase, other duties as assigned. And that's something I always love hearing about is what uh, staff are doing at the branches. Yes, he works at circulation and he's he ensures that people are getting their materials checked out to them in time and that they're getting to the right branches, but he's doing so much more and augmenting the services and resources at the Hickory Corner branch. So both people we talked to this episode were a lot of fun. Uh, we wish Amanda continued success in her writing and we wish David of obviously continued success in everything he does over there at Hickory Corner. And of course, we do want to thank Amanda Flower and David Rosario for talking with us uh, and bringing their stories to our podcast. And Bob will do it again in two weeks. Thank you for listening to Behind the Books, a podcast by the Mercer County Library System. Don't forget to subscribe and please leave us a review. For more information about the Mercer County Library System, please visit us on the web at mcl.org. We are produced by Laura Narasik. 
Our thanks goes out to Kim Livingston for her technical expertise, as well as to Dana Benner for creating our cover art. Your hosts are Bob Noose and Anna Vanskoy.